Well, it's pretty cool. This is going down the energetic road, Chris, about how to manifest and how to um, understand our how we bring things into our life as well as work towards what we want. And now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 127 of the Chris and Christine Show. Ah, Fantastic. How are you doing this week, baby? I am busy. Busy, busy, busy. How well, are you? are we all busy these days? No, you kind know? of been sitting around. Uh, well, aside from today, like half of the day, um, there was a good section of the day where I did do some stuff. Like go out to eat breakfast hey. and go grocery shopping. There, and don't forget to get the truck washed and gassed up. Oh, you did? Yeah. So now we're broke officially. Thank you, California. I had to uh, sell the half the house to pay <laughs> for the gas tank. You know, it's funny. I was watching, was it uh, YouTube today on the old tube boob YouTube? And they had the Fox News uh, segment going on talking about the inflation and the economy. Oh, fake news. Uh-huh. And they had uh, your boy Dave Ramsey on the show. Your boy Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and he was in there talking about... Envelope system. It, it, what? He talks about the envelope system. What's, That's the, his, what's the envelope system? It's his system? budgeting system that he uses, but go ahead. No, it's called baby steps. Yeah, baby steps, but you use envelopes for your money. Go ahead. You do? Yes, go ahead. Never heard that one before. It's news mm-hmm. to me. You heard it here first, by the way. Baby steps with... The big em- step system is with envelopes and writing every expenditure down. Anyways, they were saying that some person was complaining that they were at the gas station, that they actually had to quit their job because it cost more to fill their car up to go to work than they actually made by working. Uh, well, that I don't understand how that would work if you were... Unless you were driving like all the way across the county for a minimum wage job... I could see that where you're driving like 30 or 40 miles each way and it's a kind of a low paying job. But I mean, I guess, I mean, everything is getting expensive. Childcare, groceries. <sighs> I wish inflation would go away. It will. You just got to like, you know. What? Can we have deflation? Uh, Sure. I don't, it's like when you take the little pin and you pop the balloon and the air comes flying out. No, because if you put the pin in it, then it explodes. We don't want the balloon to pop. We want it to just be like untied and slowly leaking the air out, right? You know, speaking of like bursting bubbles and uh, things of that sort, the the economy for the housing market, everyone keeps saying that the housing bubble, burble, burble, burble is going to bust. And uh, yeah, I mean, what does that mean? The housing bubble is gonna bust. Well, the problem is, well, what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine was that uh, people were borrowing money that they didn't really have. At, you know, like they were getting approved for loans they really shouldn't have, and they uh, the banks were just giving money out like for nobody's, you know. Like it's a fun for all. Hey, you want a loan? You get a loan. You want a loan? You get a loan. How much money do you make? You work at Seven uh, Eleven? Oh, you can just say you make a million dollars a year. We'll just write it down <laughs> the paperwork. Yeah, no problem. You can afford an eight hundred thousand dollars house. No problem. So that was a kind of a different scenario where lending practices were a little bit looser and were the interest rates low, and then they had like they were balloons? not actually they were not low okay. back then. The interest rates I remember back then I think they were like 
you got a good rate if you're like in the fives. Okay. Where, well, up until uh, recently, in the threes seemed about the norm. Okay. Now they're like reaching back into the fives. That's crazy. So what in, I mean, you do a lot of research in terms of reading different articles and watching videos about like from different economists, like like businessy kind of people. What is your prediction about what's going to happen over the next 24 months in the housing market? Well, I think and you heard it here first. Everybody. I know. Well, okay. There's two sides of the coin here. One is that you think like, well, nobody's going to want to buy houses if the interest rates are so high. Nobody's going to want to do that. But people it, need th- places to live. Exactly. People are going to need a place to live. That's a necessity. I mean, I know a fun luxurious house can be like a fun thing, but you don't have to buy that. Like you can drive a Mercedes Benz. But you don't need to drive a Mercedes-Benz. You can right. drive like a Toyota or something. Right. So it's not like um, – so people might be buying houses a little more into their wheelhouse. And also, too, I think about this is that when the interest rates go higher, it actually makes your buying power lower. Why is that? Oh, because the interest rate takes up more of your mortgage or of your money? Right. You think about your payment because you go to like the uh, mortgage the um, people and they say, how much you want to afford each month? What's kind of your budget, right? You say, well, I want to afford, say, $2,000 a month is what I want to afford for a mortgage. Well, that's great. It puts you in, say, like a $400,000 house if the interest rates are like 3%. Okay. But if the interest rates are now 5%, now you're looking at maybe, is it a 598000 Right. Just two thousand dollars difference. No, no, you're looking at like no, you're down to like like three hundred thousand dollars. I'm saying you're, you're three hundred thousand. Like it makes that big of a difference. Listen, I don't got a calculator in front of me. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying like that's kind of what it does is that your payment becomes like you say you only allowed two thousand dollars a month to make that one payment for your house, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if the interest rate's higher, your payment's going to be a lot higher, which means now you can't afford that two thousand dollar a month payment. Well, you can afford wow. the, you can afford the whole payment, same payment as being afforded, but less house. Right. And is that why when the interest rate interest rates go low that people will like refinance their house so they get a lower rate so that they pay less overall and they have more equity or what? Well, there's two reasons why people do that. I think one is that they yes, they like I refinance twice on the other house to in fact lower my payment, my mortgage payment. You know, okay. everybody loves paying less, right? So that's one way they do that. Another way people do is they will do that, do the refi, but they'll do the cash out refi. And when they do that, they're basically borrowing a money against their loan. Their uh, their payment may be either the same, if not a little less than they were paying, but now they've got an extra twenty grand in cash dumped in their lap to you know do additions or pay off credit cards or do whatever they want with. But you're still paying all that money, so it's not like it's free cash. Okay, got it. I think I understand now. Normally, I get this stuff pretty quickly, but I've been wondering because you've been talking about interest rates, interest rates, interest rates, and I all I know is. It sounds like we bought our house at just the right time and we sold our other house at just the right time to where we could have, you know, a good, a decent rate, not a fantastic rate, but a decent rate getting into this house. I mean, the hope would have been that we could have refinanced for a lower rate after being here for a year or two, but who knows? I mean, the bottom line is that we bought at a good time. I'm really grateful for our house. I love our house. It's so cozy. And our interest rate isn't that bad. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's actually, if you think about it today's standards, it's spectacular. It's unheard of. You can't get our rate. Wow. That's awesome. You know, speaking of houses, our old house, I just looked up on Zillow because I get the alerts now and then. And it's funny, it has increased by another $100,000 from what we sold it at. That's crazy. 
What, has our house, our new house, appreciated? I'm sure it has. I haven't looked at it recently. Just it's get- interesting that you're trying to look at the old house, that you're more interested in that one than the one that we own right now, you goofball. No, it's because I get the alerts. I was... Uh, oh, I get the alerts for this house. See, I get the alerts for the old house because I, <laughs> when I bought the old house, I logged into Zillow and Realtor and all those accounts and I logged in my house as the old house. Mm-hmm. So it still emails me like, hey... Your home value is this or whatever, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're going to try and buy it from you. And newsflash, we don't own it anymore. Yeah. My old um, realtor uh, mortgage guy, he has like his automatic email he sends me out about the old house. He's like, your value is this. Your payment is this. If you refinance to this. Um, kind of like a little, that's how I got the refinancing done in the first place. Cause he sent me an email saying, Hey, you can refinance for this and whatever. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's a good deal. So I called the guy up and that's when I refinanced, which took forever. Yeah, it did. Well, switching gears from talking about the housing market. Yeah, how was your week been, baby? Well, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. So my week has been very, very busy between work and events and all those kinds of things. Last week, not this week, we just had the one before I had two weddings. I did not have any weddings this week that we just ended, but I've had a lot of client meetings. And this week that we just started, because today is Sunday, I actually have two weddings and a work event that I'm running back to back. So I have at the same time, I have a wedding on Thursday. I have a work event, a women's leadership event that I'm hosting on Friday and a wedding on Saturday. And it is a very busy time. And I am going to have help, thankfully, this week. And guess who it is? Is it me? Am I on the the list? No, you're not. I'm sorry. You didn't make it onto the list this time. My best friend, Kira, is flying in. Da-da-da. She hasn't been here at our new house. And she, I haven't had her in California since the wedding. wedding. I mean, I went out there to visit her not that long ago because I had a meeting with my clients out there. But she wanted to give it a shot at seeing what it's like to be my assistant coordinator. And so she's jumping into the deep end of the pool and she's going to assist me on not one, not two, but three events back to back. So you're having your intern, Kira, coming out to here to work with you. Assistant, not intern. She's paid assistant. Okay. I like the term intern better though. But intern gives it as if it's like the... She's not getting paid. She's coming in as well. It's a, like an apprentice situation. I think it's well. Kind of she's the same coming thing. in as an assistant. Yeah, right, yeah. But I'm very excited to have her because I think that it's just so much fun to have her here and to have her here at our house, and then to be able to do the events together and spend time together, and her to be part of my world, and she gets to come to my work event, which is all about women in leadership, and I'm really excited about that. And so. I have that to look forward to, but I had um, two client meetings on Friday back to back, and then I drove up on Friday night to Camarillo where I woke up early on Saturday morning. Uh, I had stayed at a hotel and I had a client meeting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and then I drove up from there. It was 45 minutes from my grandparents' house, so I went and spent that whole afternoon with them, drove home. It was like 130 miles home. And got home at like 1045 last night, got a little bit of sleep this last night, woke up this morning, had to get ready. And then I just got back to the house after five hours of client meetings for a final details meeting with one of my clients getting married in May. Whoa. I know. All of that. All of that. It's been busy. And so I'm looking forward to 
Well, I was going to say it's a, a little bit of a low-key week, but it's not a low-key week. It's a high-key week this week. You know what? You should uh, start investing in something a little stronger than regular coffee, maybe. You know, <laughs> keep it um, going. <laughs> what are you trying to get me hooked on here? I do not approve. Oh, well, maybe the uh, Red Bulls. No, no, no. Natural energy and natural happiness and joy is what fuels my life. It does. You know, when you are super happy about something, it does get you excited about and get you motivated to actually do something. You know, when I, when I sit down and do some podcasting, oh. I get excited about it. Oh. Oh, my word. Podcasting. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Podcast, podcast, Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's your wedding stuff, too. When you get excited about it, actually, you're getting paid to do your wedding stuff. (laughs) I wish I was getting paid in podcasting. Hey, uh, all the media companies, hey, (laughs) we're we're hooking you guys up. So, um, but uh, your wedding stuff, it's uh, this weekend, and Kira's going to be here helping you out. So, has she ever done any kind of wedding stuff before? She's done events and things like that in the past, but I would say that this is kind of the first time for her to jump into this. But she's been assisting me from a distance, like as a virtual assistant, where she's reaching oh, out. Oh, like and Siri? Doing, no, no, no. Like she's reaching out to clients for me. She's sending some emails. She's doing some follow up work, helping me find some different vendors for different weddings that are kind of hard to find and so yeah that's she's yeah she's gonna jump in and it's gonna be fantastic and fantastic yeah, i'm excited it's, it's kind of exciting when your friends kind of like jump in and you know help you out doing right. your, what you do and you do things so well you oh, know thank you and hopefully sometime soon the next uh, day or so we should get the quote on the uh construction bid for our um christine smith design um office building yes your building. i love how you just said ours thank you so much it is ours i mean it's only going to be used by me however you can you know say that it's yours too if you would really like to just right. don't try and put any equipment in there because i had to cut you what <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just teasing you but uh yeah tuesday the electrician comes out to do all of the work to bring the power out to that area and we're just waiting on our contractor to get us the final quote so that we can start with purchasing all of the supplies and everything and they say once they get going it only takes them two weeks so i have a huge isn't that funny that's like a running line in the joke in the movie the money pit they said how long is it gonna take two weeks two weeks you got <laughs> the whole house is like in shrambles they got like holes in the walls and the walls are knocked down two weeks oh gee thanks well <laughs> I think that the one thing that will take us a little bit of time is once we get all of the specifications, I have to get online and order the specialized air conditioning unit and the little, it's called Coolbot that goes with it. And yeah, it's like a little robot that has a fan that waves up and down. It's a Coolbot, right? Oh my god! Hello, gosh. I'm your Coolbot. I'm here You're to serve you. No. Would, you. would you like grapes, Miss Christine? <laughs> <laughs> what is your problem? No. I'm your cool bot. Oh, my goodness. You're my cool husband. Oh, I know, huh? Or you're my hot hubby. Oh, so maybe yeah. That's, maybe you're my hot bot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, speaking of hot, also the weather was like <laughs> rainy and cold. You're such and a squirrel today. All of a sudden, it flipped into this hot like summer weather. Well, what it was happened? hot, and then it got cold and rainy, and now it's hot again. So... Yeah, it's definitely going back and forth. But on that note, I'm excited to hopefully have my floral cooler built soon because I have some big weddings coming up and I definitely need that cooling unit in place because whew, it's going to get hot here in El Cajon soon. Hey, I was questioning about that, about the actual uh, cooler thing. How many flowers can you keep in there and how long will they last? I think we're going to have to test that out. So it's going to be six feet by eight feet. And it all depends on how I use the space. Like if I just put buckets on the ground, 
it's not going to be as much space as if I have like shelving units in there. But six by eight is a decent amount of space. So you are going to have shelving units? Um, well, like the ones that I'm going to order off of Amazon that are on like rollers. And so I can – it's like the restaurant ones that you see like restaurant supplies oh, on. Oh, so you can put like buckets of flowers on one section and a bucket of flour on the top of it. So you can have like two – because that's what you really want to do is have two sections of Two flour. or three, yeah. Some of those things have like three shelves on them. And so we'll just have to do some research and – you know, find something that's going to work in a kind of moisture rich environment so it doesn't get all rusty and nasty and that kind of stuff because oh, wood yeah. wouldn't really work. And so what do they use in the regular coolers? What do they have? They have the metal shelving that I was talking about that you can get from Amazon. I don't know. I have a bunch of stuff. Saved. Home Depot has got a bunch of metal shelving. Well, I have a bunch of uh, ideas saved on Instagram because I follow a bunch of other florists and they've been doing some like tours of their cooler so I can see how they have it set up because you definitely want to use your space effectively. Right. Because you had six by eight and you had no shelves at all. Everything would be on the floor. You'd be like, this is all I got. This yeah, is my space here. Exactly. But for your situation with flowers, you really need to keep them in containers and buckets. So you need to have right. water and that kind of stuff, I'm assuming. So what temperature does that cooler have to be, by the way? 40 degrees. 40 degrees. So, so that's uh, Fahrenheit for us in yes. America here. And, um, that's uh, what would be a regular refrigerator? Uh, I think that that's kept like, I don't know, like 30s maybe because I know, well, freezing is 32. So, so that's what a regular freezer is at? I think, well, no, a regular freezer has to be colder than that, has to be colder than 32. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because it has to keep things ice cold, not just like frozen. But I think that I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. We'll have to Google that. Figure what what temperature is ideal for flowers to keep. Them well, out. I yes, there's a whole science to it, and so you know, in terms of storage inside of the cooler, there's some different options. I can get some like small four foot or six foot like folding tables that we can stick in there just to kind of get things going. So I can have like two different levels, but. I'm going to have to get some of that like rolling shelving or something in there because as I start to make the floral arrangements, you know, I'll have the buckets down lower on the ground and then have to have some racks for the actual floral arrangements to go on to. Right. Yeah, definitely to figure out all that. It's going to be totally enclosed. No light getting in there at all. Like no windows or nothing, right? Just a lamp or something. Right. There'll just be like an overhead light fixture, um, but definitely no outside light because anytime you have like windows and things like that, it's heat. an opportunity for heat to come in right. and UV, cold to UV escape. Rose, uh, UV rays. You got to think about it. It's like an ice chest, like a big giant ice box in, uh, or a refrigerator or a freezer. And there's no windows on those. Once you get those really fancy ones, you see those fancy refrigerators? They've got like the window on them. Yeah, like, like the ones from like the grocery store where you can right, like, see stuff inside of it. Right, which always are fogged up. I go to the grocery store today and look at the ice cream aisle. You know, if you had the ice cream door open too long and you close it, it's like all fogged up. Right. So people keep them open so they can see what they want to buy, which I did not buy any ice cream today. I don't know, I was, what? I know. There wasn't any on sale I liked. And the kids were like, nah, whatever. So I'm like, okay, kids, then whatever it is. I guess <laughs> I'm going to get no ice cream today. Well... You know, thank you for asking about my week, but what's been happening with your week this week? Well, I released another episode of Podtastic Audio. And you did a great job with it, by the way. I listened to it. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me, baby. It really does. Aww. I put a lot of hard work and thought into that episode. It was the most recent episode of Podtastic Audio. I believe it's episode 
50 something. Yeah, 57 or something. I know. I was looking at the number and I couldn't believe that you have that many episodes of that podcast. I know. It doesn't take me long to really make the episode. Um, I make them pretty quickly. It's whatever is popped up in my head at the time I'm kind of thinking about. I just started recently taking notes down like maybe a month or two ago in my iPhone. If I think of something really cool or relative to what I'm going to talk about, I'll, I'll jot down a little note down in my notes feature in my phone. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So when, if I'm coming back to do an episode for that week, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I'll about the phone. Oh, there's an idea. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just base an episode around that. And that's kind of what I do. Everything's pretty much freestyle, kind of like the here we do here. But um, but I just have these notes to kind of think of things. So when I do want to do an episode, it's ready to go. Oh, well, that's really good. And so you got that episode out. Anything else interesting happened this week? Uh, oh, I had to go back to work. Oh, gosh. You know, I was on vacation last week. This week was the first week back to work. And they changed so much stuff at work. It's... You know, I hate going back to work and it's always like, oh, go back to work. But when you go back to work and they change everything on you, you're really confused and you're really trying to figure stuff out. So they put a whole new computer system in at the, at the loading terminal. Completely new system, completely new menu. They've got people there from out of town like all week long, like walking everybody through the problems, trying to walk everybody through how to load on the new system. It's like an iPad looking thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like so much fun. Well, it is until you don't know what buttons <laughs> do what. And then you're like, I was being sarcastic. You will. I'm, it says follow the instructions. Well, I'm following the instructions, but I'm having getting stuck in this little loop. It says, okay, you didn't do this right. You know, like in your computer when it says enter password and you enter your password in and you're like, it says re-enter the password. It's not correct. You're like, yes, it is. And then you type it in again. And then if you're Chris and you type it in 10 more times and get locked out indefinitely from your computer, only then to le- later realize you were missing a few digits. Yeah. Right. You got to call Apple. They wipe <laughs> it out for you. Or they'll say this thing like, please reset your password. And then you reset it to the old one. It says... One that said it wasn't working. Cannot work. set it to the old password. <laughs> You're yeah. like, that's the one that was supposed to work in the first place. Yeah. So it was a very frustrating week. It, we're still working at the bugs and the kinks and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it actually takes longer to first to load because we have to do the process kind of twice. It's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Like you set you set everything up once and then you have to check it and then set up again and then load it. Oh, wow. It's, Yeah. That's irritating. But with the Chris and Christine show, we had a big milestone this week, didn't we? Absolutely. The Chris and Christine show took a little trip over to Sydney, Australia. We definitely did. And we have a fantastic guest that's on the show this week. It is our longest distance interview yet. He's going to be back with us right after this. Hey, thank you so much for being a loyal listener of the Chris and Christine show. And as that you are a loyal listener, we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show. Ooh, tell me more. If you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month. Ooh, I want that. Then head over to patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine show. That is patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine show. And welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, we have another fantastic VIP guest. He is a best-selling author, a creative visualization coach, and is passionate about emotional well-being. Welcome to the show, Barry Nicolau. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Christine. Hey, Barry. All the crowd is here for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Now, how was your flight over here on our personal jet? (laughs) 
<laughs> Can I just say, I love your jet. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, too much food, by the way. I think I could probably use with a bit less alcohol and food, but beautiful, beautiful flying. <laughs> well, it was quite a long flight, you know, flying it all the was. way from, where is it? Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. <laughs> yes, it is a long way. It is a long way, but it's beautiful to be here. Why that long? Do they feed you like all three meals on the plane? <laughs> I At the same time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we yes. are so excited to have you on the show today. And mm-hmm. you are coming to us from Australia, which is definitely mm. our furthest away interview. And we're super excited for this. So we appreciate you being here. Um, we are recording this on, on a Saturday afternoon, which means it's around what time for you? We've got 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday for me. Wow. wow. You're, you're like in the future. So, what's the stock prices like? <laughs> I'll send you a text, Chris. <laughs> Insider information. I'll never forget when I was traveling to Australia and I flew yeah. over the international dateline and mm. then lost like a full day. And on the way yeah. home, when I flew back from Sydney to Los Angeles, mm. I arrived two hours before I departed from Australia. It was no so way. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it is insane. Yeah. It's just such a long ways away. I think that it's just over 7,000 miles between the two of us, but sounds crystal yeah. clear. So thanks to Clean Feed for that. Yeah, shout oh, out. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's beautiful. I can hear you so clear. Just like you're in the same room with me. It is brilliant. That oh, is the whole idea of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You make it sound I the best, it. it is the best. Well, we are super excited to have you on the show today, Barry, and we'd love before Mm. we chat a little bit about you as a professional Mm. to learn a bit about you. So you live in Sydney, Mm -hmm. and I can hear in your voice that it sounds like you have a pretty strong Australian accent, which I'm sure we have (laughs) accents to. Are you from Australia originally? Uh, Originally, mum and dad are from Cyprus, which is, I guess, part of the Greek uh, heritage um, there in the Mediterranean. So, parents are Greek. Um, I was born in Australia. Um, I won't tell you the year because that gives away my age. (laughs) 1985? (laughs) 78, actually. So, I'm a little bit older, but it's... uh, it's exciting to be in Australia. It's a beautiful place to live. Much of our content and our inspiration does come from the US and we've got a lot of beautiful content here in Australia as well that we're discovering and that is helping us grow as people and understand the scope of potential we have within us as a person and as a nation. So, it's really exciting to see what the future holds, um, especially when you come from that perspective. Now, do you have a favorite place that you like to go to in Sydney, whether it's a restaurant or like a natural landscape area that you could recommend to um, our listeners? Actually, if you do come to Sydney, um, you you might have heard of the Blue Mountains, which is a beautiful mountain range approximately – well, Sydney is a coastal city. So, uh, the Blue Mountains from the city itself is about an hour and a half drive. And what we love about Sydney is in an hour and a half, you could be in the majestic mountains and an hour later, you could be on Bondi Beach. So, you've got this beautiful um, – Sydney has got this beautifulness to it that it doesn't matter what you love. If you love the more forest, uh, green, um, jungle-inspired life rather than, say, a beach, you can move to the mountains. And then if you love the beach life and if you love the sand and the water and the beautiful cafes on the water – you can you can live near the city uh, near the beach 
So it's a beautiful country, a beautiful city in that respect. Um, so it's 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 absolutely beautiful. So if you do come to Sydney, Australia, please look me up, and we'll go for a lovely drive. And um, I've just become your unofficial tour guide. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> For all of our thousands of listeners, uh-oh, you're going to be very busy. The one thing I've always wanted to know about Australia is that yeah, I keep asking yeah. you, Christine, because she's been there yeah. so many times. I said, hey, yeah, yeah. I know that the toilets flush the other direction than they do up here. That's like the they coolest do. thing ever. I just heard about that, you what? know? The yeah. water flushes backwards to us than it is for them. Well, actually, it's probably ba- it's probably, uh, we're probably backwards to you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I heard about that, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if it's clockwise or anticlockwise that we flush, but I think it's got to do with the southern and northern hemisphere. Right. Anything anything below the southern hemisphere flushes the other direction. Correct. I think anti-clock. It it, it is crazy. It is absolutely. We've got a pool in our backyard and we've got a skimmer box, obviously, which sucks the pool water in and filters it. And you can tell from that, Chris, which way the water sucks. And it's interesting because I was doing that today. It's really funny that you brought that up. Um, And you can see, and I was actually going, oh, it's going anti-clockwise. And I'm like, oh, duh, Barry, you live in Australia. Of course, it goes (laughs) anti-clockwise. So, so it's, (laughs) it's a bit of a moment. Bit of a clarity moment. <laughs> now, Barry, we're going to have to demystify some Australian stereotypes with you because Go for it. I know Go for that, it. you know, Chris sits over here and he, what were you going to say to him? G'day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah, people no actually say that. that? No, they don't. Okay. Oh, uh, well, well, listen, they might, but it's not in the, um, in the Steve Irwin crocodile Dundee uh, mannerisms. It's, okay, right. And and we usually cut off the mate. It's just g'day, g'day. And it's more of a, it's more of a, um, like a, like a, I'm interested in knowing how you are, but I'm not. But I am, <laughs> but I'm not. So it's so, just like g'day, how you doing, sort of thing. Like a howdy, who we say out here, howdy. Kind of like howdy, yeah. It's like conversational. I'm passing you by. Kind of tipping of the hat to say I recognise you. G'day, how's things? But it's the, the mate part of it gets used on its own. It's like, and I find myself in emails. I find myself writing mate, and and I don't know why I do that because <laughs> because a lot of my emails are to the US, and I think, but maybe they're taking that wrong or so i've just gotten past that now and i just say well this is who i am and if it's taken wrong then then it's not meant that you way know, I, have so a, I have a friend that's from the uk and he texts mm. me back with a cheers mate at the end of the message so yeah I, I guess it's maybe i don't know maybe we should start using that chris I don't know. I don't know if I can call you mate. <laughs> oh, you're right. Well, I am. Yeah, I am your housemate. But <laughs> okay. Other questions that we have again: demystifying Australian stereotypes. Go for it. Go for Do it. Do you have a pet kangaroo or a pet koala? No, they are all. <laughs> they are all not true. No, actually, there's a beautiful zoo in Sydney called Taronga Zoo, in the heart of the city, um, and uh, I would. I don't know any friends and family that go there. Um, it is well, you do go there if you've got small children and you want to introduce them to animals that they only see in books. But we don't have pet koalas. No, Sydney's <laughs> got close to five million people, so we're only we're 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 a big city in Australia, but we're probably a tiny city for you know places in Europe and in the US. But but no, we don't have. We've got a little dog. Um, nice. She's a cocker spaniel, and she's fifteen years old. She's lost her her hearing, uh, but she can see perfectly fine. But she's getting older in years now. But um, that's about. Uh, the animals that we have in our house. (laughs) 
Well, so, yeah. we appreciate you de- demystifying that for our guests because, no you know, whenever you're in the United States, yeah. I find that so many people, like we have a lot of different cultures here within our mm. country, which mm, keeps mm. a lot of people from traveling to actually explore other areas and demystify I'm, I'm stereotypes. I'm one of them, I think, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I think Australia too, isn't Australia, don't you guys have like almost every type of climate in Australia you can find in the continent? We do, we do. We have a lot. Actually, if you do go to um, the Blue Mountains, there's a place that you'll pass on the way called Springwood. And Springwood is in the Guinness Book of Records for the best climate in the world. Really? It's it's like 23 degrees all year round. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, so it's, so it's pretty wild, actually. So, um, it's really unbelievable. And when you say 23 degrees, you're speaking Celsius, correct? Celsius, of okay. course. Yes, 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 it is Celsius. There's so many different things about our right. cultures. I That's don't even right. know why the United States doesn't really use the metric system and always default to Fahrenheit. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like when you do something wrong originally, mm, mm. like so long ago. And, and you just have to stick with it. Right. <laughs> it's what, exactly what it is. You're can't like, be wrong. Too late now. We can't fix it now. You know, mm. it's like it's like when you're going on a long road trip, right? And you forgot that one piece of luggage. And you're like halfway there and it's like, you know, 10 hours into your trip. Like, well, I ain't going back for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually interesting when we watch US movies, which is most of our movies here, um, uh, when cars are doing 60 miles an hour, uh, we think, God, that's slow. Uh-huh. Right. But then when you- yeah. Yeah, it's 60 kilometers an hour is like, I don't know, about 30 miles an hour or 40 miles an hour. So it's like 60 miles an hour. That's really slow. Like, really. But then you convert it and you think, oh, that's about 100 kilometers an hour. Okay, that's our highway speed over here. So, okay, now I understand. So it gets really surreal in that sense. Now, the thing that yeah. I think I would like is mm. that when you weigh yourself, it's in kilograms versus pounds. And so we, we do, yes. I could be like small in kilograms <laughs> and be like, yes, I lost so much weight. And you're all looking yeah. at the number like, girl, going to yeah. diet. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. Barry, you said about the, about the speed is that the mm. com- a company I worked for had a like a packaging, like a small box van truck or a semi truck, mm. I think it was. But the speedometer mm. was in... Uh, Kilometers? Kilometers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah, driving yeah. it down the road. I'm like, I'm speeding. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at it. I'm like, what's that KMH chat for down there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. And the new cars today have that variant where you can push a button, I think, and convert it from miles to kilometers per okay. hour. Yeah, yeah. So you can just do whatever it is. So if you can just press a button and all of a sudden you're not doing 100 kilometers, you're doing 60 miles an hour. So it's pretty, pretty insane. Now, one thing Mm. that I did want to ask you about, Barry, Mm. is Mm. in America, we have fish and chips. And when I was in Australia before, we had chicken and chips. And I learned there that French fries aren't always called French fries. They're called chips. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So, just just chips. We just call them hot chips. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, French fries is a very formal term. If we go to McDonald's or if we go to um, the local takeaway shop that has burgers and what have you, we ask for a large, small or medium chips. We don't actually ask for French fries. Um, It's assumed that if you want chips that you want French fries. So, Barry, um, mm. I got a really important question. I I just thought about this. Mm. We we have a San Diego fair here in town every Mm. summer Mm. when, outside of COVID, when COVID's not here. And they have Mm. uh, uh, all kinds of food vendors. And one of the most popular food vendors they have is called the Mm. Australian Beer Batter Potatoes. 
Do you guys have those? The Australian, we just have beer battered potatoes. We don't have the Australian ones. Well, obviously, the, 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 I guess they're called local, but really. Of course, of course. I'm just being suspicious. I'm yeah. so sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, but- absolutely. We love our potatoes here. Uh, and every, it's, 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 it's really interesting, right? Because Australia, in, in essence, is a multicultural society. So if you look back a couple of hundred years ago, you know, we were getting a lot of, uh, there was uh, the, the English migrants that were coming, and Australia was a penal colony. So it was about like it was a massive jail if you think about it in that sense, and a- over the seventies and eighties and nineties, obviously there was this huge intake of migration from all over Europe, um, from the US, from New Zealand, from Asia, that came to Australia and that started a life here. And you get a lot of Greeks, Italians, Middle Eastern nationalities that all wanted to leave their hometown for whatever reason, and Australia was saying, "Well, no, come here and make a life for yourself." So here in Australia, we've got we've got so many different nationalities, um, and funny enough, working under a democratic government where we have to have a lot of tolerance because there are different. Um, I guess there are different. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Behaviors from different nationalities that they bring home. People bring home from their homelands. So over here, we've got quite a large tolerance of respecting people's beliefs, uh, religious beliefs, uh, traditional beliefs, and just being open to people practicing what they truly loved. Obviously, that's done under uh, democratic law in Australia as well. You know, it's like when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do, it's sort of thing. So you can't just do whatever you want, but there's a healthy respect for if you are Asian and that's what you practice, then that's what you practice. If you are Greek, and to give you an example, Greek Orthodox Easter is next week. It's not this week. So, we celebrate the following week according to the old Orthodox calendar. And it's interesting. We've got a day off at work. I've got a day off at work. I've taken a day just to say I'm I'm celebrating this specific Easter break uh, because I've I've grown up that way. I respect it. I respect the tradition. And it's interesting, a lot of the churches, the Greek churches in Australia as well, like there's a church about five kilometers from me. And, you know, it's very much down that road. Like you go to church at midnight mass and there's literally like a thousand people at midnight celebrating uh, the three days um, where, you know, Christ was dead and then Christ rose. So, we have this tradition and we're all there at midnight Um, And uh, at the stroke of midnight, um, there is a candle inside the church that gets lit. And then that candle passes around from person to person to person. And everyone outside the church has has this candle that's lit. And the candle signifies the spreading of the news of that Christ has risen. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, it's really cool. So, it's like it comes from the church. It comes from – and if you look at like 2,000 years ago and how Easter actually came about and how we we respect the traditions today, it's like one person told the other person told the other person, no, 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 his body is not in the tomb anymore. He has risen. He has risen. And that's we signify that in this candle-burning scenario where one person lights a candle from the middle of the church, uh, from the holy candle, and then everyone gets – everyone just lights from that one candle. All of a sudden, within 10 minutes, a 1,000 people have their candles lit. Oh, so it's yes, it's really really cool. It's really cool in that instance. So um, yeah, so it's I guess getting back to it, Australia has all these nationalities and all these um, um, I guess traditions that are converging into one big multicultural society. It's challenging at times because different beliefs go head to head with other different beliefs. 
So I think globally and nationally here in Australia, um, the big word is tolerance and accepting people uh, for what how they've been brought up and what their true beliefs are. And I think when arrogance kicks into play, I think that's when you start to have problems. But so far, yeah, we, we are a society that functions really, really well, um, respecting different people's traditions and religions and and um, being at a state of peace and love with most of it. <laughs> well, so, I, yeah. I love mm. hearing that. And in your mm. voice, you just sound like such a genuine and positive person. And reading Thank about you. your professional background, it makes yeah. me wonder a bit about your upbringing and mm. your educational background that led you mm. to your current career path. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, how long do you have? This is a little <laughs> bit of a long story, but I'll shorten it for us. Um, I was, what, what was the year? It was 2015 and I was driving to, I was in the shoe industry, like selling shoes. And um, I was driving to an appointment with a customer, right? And I got a phone call in the car and my customer said to me, Barry, I'm running a little bit late. Can you delay me an hour? And I said, no problem. I can do that. Um, So, what happened? And Christine, this is going to sound wild, but every word of it is true. (laughs) Okay. So, I've gone past thinking, oh, how does this sound? How does this care? Because every word of it is true. My car felt like it steered itself inside this beautifully appointed cemetery, and a cemetery, had, like a graveyard, like like a graveyard, dead, but it, dead people. Bu- are. Yes, yes, okay. where dead people are buried. Yes, yes. Um, and this is the most beautiful graveyard. Think of big, wide open roads, canopies of trees, beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, decorated gravestones. It's it's basically a a place. This is going to sound horrible, but it's a place you can almost have a picnic at. Like it's so beautiful, like it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how they so usually th- are, aren't they? Like that? Yeah, they're beautiful. There's some pretty spooky graveyards. This is not one of those. This okay. is a this, this is a place where you just go. Oh my god, I could I could actually spend a lifetime here. Pardon the pun. And um, <laughs> you you basically I got out of the car <laughs> that was and funny. I started walking amongst these graves. And you start doing the maths and you thought, oh, you know, this person was this old when they died and this person was this old when they died. And I had, I leant up against my car, I closed my eyes for a minute and I had three words bombard me on on a soul level. It wasn't as in the dialogue we, we are speaking about today. You can hear me, I can hear you and there's this clean feed going on. It felt like that it was it was given to me on another level. And it scared the bejesus out of me because I didn't quite understand what that meant. So, those three words were live your life. Oh, and good. I thought, yeah, if you're going to tell me something, give me the lottery numbers. You know, give yeah. me something <laughs> I can really live my life, you know, get, <laughs> make some money. And um, I went home that night, not thinking much of it. And then I woke up at 3 a.m. And the word your was glowing in my mind um, as if live your life. Don't don't try and live a life based on what someone else wants for you. Be specific about what lights you up. And from that, the next morning, I got up at 5 a.m. And I just started furiously writing. Um, it wasn't intended to be a book. It was just a brain dump of what lit me up and what I was passionate about and what inspired me. And it was nothing to do with shoes. It was everything to do with the potential within us about how most of us don't really tap into it and wondering why we don't tap into it. 
that leads you down a path of fear and not wanting to make mistakes, blah, blah, blah. So, I just started writing, writing, writing. About a year later, I had a manuscript and I thought, this looks like a book, but this is not going to get published. I have no idea who's in the publishing industry. Even if I did, it's a struggle to find someone to take you seriously as a first-time author. And then I get this random Facebook message, guys, that said, we publish books. (laughs) If you have a manuscript, we'd love to hear from you. And I'm like- That's so bizarre. What? Like, are you like, and, and I've, I've learned to appreciate when you go down a certain path in life, and this has happened for me, and it might happen for you and your listeners as well. Once you go down a path that is intended for you to live, a purpose filled path, the green lights come quickly and often. But if you're, what I found in my life, if you're experiencing continual red lights, Everything you try to do is a struggle. This person's giving you grief. This, your job's really hurting who you are. Uh, you're arguing with your spouse at home. Your kids are giving you... If you're consistently going down red lights all the time, it's time for a change. It's time for you to shift that mindset. And after I got that message on Facebook, I met up with this publisher in Sydney. And he said, Barry, I love your manuscript. Let's find a way to get you number one on Amazon. So, that that turned into a a, a campaign um, and we hit number one on Amazon, I believe, in six countries and 19 categories on the site. Fantastic. And that's led to – yeah, it's it's exciting, Chris. It's truly exciting. It's it's something that I've had an appreciation for. The epiphany at the graveyard um, was something that has led me down a path of understanding energy, understanding people's perspectives – but being true to you, regardless of all of that, like being being honest with your decisions and not really caring too much about other people's opinions on your decisions. Now, Barry, yeah. do you think that you were a positive person going into this so that it was easier to buy mm. into the live your life vision that came to you? Or did you struggle with cynicism? Mm. I I definitely had a struggle element in it. Generally, it's interesting. It's a really good question, Christine, because biologically, my mum and my dad fled Cyprus because there was a war in 1974 that the Turkish actually invaded Cyprus and took half the island. And my grandparents said to my mum and dad, you better flee, go to Australia, go to another country. It was either Canada or Australia. And my mum and dad came to Australia. And we, there's this fear-based mindset that got passed down biologically to my brother and I. And it was, and this is the thing that I've really tried to hone in on as I've gone down this specific path is the, the fear that we've got passed on to us biologically doesn't necessarily have to become the fear that we take on for the rest of our lives. You can change your biology in that instance. You can look at scenarios in the world where people are living the life that you think to yourself, well, if they've done it and they've got their fears, then there's really nothing stopping me apart from my own thoughts and my own beliefs and my own fears. So, so yes, I did have that mindset that got passed on from mum, which was be careful of starting a business, be careful of trusting people, be careful of true love if they're real or if they're not real, or be careful of investing your money there. Or And there's this kind of fee, general fee-based mindset of just be careful. 
And then you ask yourself, is that a way to live life? Is that a way? We've only got these 70, 80, 90 years, if we're lucky, of this beautiful existence. And I don't know, but I came to that epiphany at the graveyard, which was, uh, do I want to live the next three or four decades of my life based on that mindset? And will that have regret for me when I'm 85 and in my bed and having all my loved ones around me going, Barry, it's been great, you know? And yes, it would lead to regret if I was having that mindset all the way. So, I just I just started to change and shift my mindset Gradually, the epiphany at the graveyard was my pushover moment. It was my moment where the universe said, you're ready. Now, I need you to go down this path, which was the book or whatever it is. And that's when it happened. And I feel, Christine, when people are at the precipice of making a choice, there are subtle hints. And if you don't listen to those hints, it taps you on the shoulder a bit louder and a bit louder and a bit louder. And all of a sudden, you get this moment of clarity, which enables you to make a decision based on your inner truths, your inner convictions. And you're not necessarily making decisions anymore based on what everyone else thinks you should do. You're making decisions based on what's real and true for you, and you're not necessarily giving a lot of credo or uh, weight to other people's opinions. You're just saying, yeah. What do you say, you said something about uh, your four ways you can achieve your desires and something about apple pie in the mix? What's (laughs) up with that? Well, it's pretty cool. This is going down the energetic road, Chris, about how to manifest and how to um, understand our how we bring things into our life as well as work towards what we want. So, we use – an at my talks in Sydney, I'm speaking in about three weeks' time at our biggest well-being expo here in Sydney, Uh and we talk about this apple pie scenario, which is what are the four ways you can get what you want in life? And we use an apple pie as a really innocuous little example, right? So, let's just say you want an apple pie, and you're like, okay, how can I get an apple pie? The first way to get an apple pie (laughs) is you go and buy it. Really simple, right? You go to the shop, you go, here's $5. They give you the best apple pie you've ever tasted. You say, yes, I'm satisfied. The second way to get an apple pie is if we're catching up for a coffee, the three of us, and Chris turns around and says to me, you know what, Barry? I'd really love an apple pie right now. There's a bakery next door. Do you mind if you go and buy me one? Here's some money. So, then I'll say to Chris, Chris, no problem. Here's, I'll take your money and I'll go and get you the best apple pie you've ever tasted. So, then I go and buy it for Chris and I'll bring it back for Chris and Chris goes, oh my God, I have had the best apple pie. Barry, what did you put in this pie? (laughs) So, that is the second way. So, someone goes and gets it for you, right? And that's like a business having employees and the employees do the work as well as you do the work. So, you've got people working on behalf of you. So, other people are actually helping you grow. So, that's the second way to get an apple pie. Someone goes and gets it. The third way to get an apple pie is if the three of us are catching up And someone walks in the front door and they say, excuse me, everyone, we just have a small announcement to make. Um, We sell apple pies and we've got a truck outside. And then Chris looks at me like, oh, my God, Barry, I was just craving this (laughs) apple pie. And they've walked in the door. That's alignment. That's manifestation. That's getting to a scenario where you have the apple pie on your mind and, and it shows up for you. 
That's the third way. And 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 we we have you had the scenario of thinking about a person and then they phone? Yes. Or, you know, oh, I was just thinking about something and all of a sudden it comes into your experience. Yes. And, it happens and a lot on like social media, but I think they're just tracking us with that. I think <laughs> yeah. So so take the social media scenario out of the equation, just suspend that for a few minutes. Let's just talk about life. Is there a is there a scenario where you've gone, well, that's a bit of a coincidence, or that's a bit of a and and those scenarios for me happen so often it is ridiculous. So I just give a small prayer of thanks now and I just said, I've noticed it, I've noticed it, I've noticed it. There's this there's this feeling inside of me that I've become very, very attuned with. So so for me, it's 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 getting to a scenario where the apple pie can come to you, your business can work, but it's up to you to align yourself without resistance to that idea or whatever that is. Now, the fourth way to get the apple pie, I believe human beings are going in this direction, but we're not there yet, which is instant manifestation, which is you put your hand in front of you, you think about an apple pie, and it manifests (laughs) in your hand with a cherry on top. I do it all the time at the casino. I'm like, win, win, win. I'll have to come with you next time. (laughs) It doesn't quite work, though, very well, but I try. No, it doesn't. No, I was wondering, Barry, because- Mm. Chris and I have mm. talked about this before and I will mm. tell him, oh, I'm manifesting that in my life. Mm. And mm. Mm. he's made comments about, well, I manifest things or I try to manifest things, but all that comes back to me is like bad stuff. And then yeah. we have this yeah. conversation around like negativity. Mm. I tend to be a pretty positive person and try mm. to align myself with that. And mm. Chris is giving me the eyes right now because <laughs> I've been a little bit no. grumpy this week. But mm. he does say that he has, you know, tried to have good things in his life, but it seems like mm. only bad things come. So for the people mm. that are in that mindset mm. of, I don't understand why continuously negative things happen to me in my life when I'm just trying to get good good things to happen. Mm. What would you say to that person? This is going to be a very long answer. I'm going to okay, try and good. shorten it though. First of all, um, I've got a PDF that I'd love to send you for free if you're open to it, which is about attracting law of attraction possibilities. If you're open to it and if you're open to the PDF, I'll send it. It's only a one pager. If, you, if you'd like yes. to spread it to your listeners, please do. It's all for free. Um, so, that's a great – that's a six-step process of how to make things happen. But to answer Chris's um, conundrum – the and the best way to think about this is when you try to do something and and your effort is in the attempt you're really putting out the signal of not having it you're not actually putting up the signal of the particular thing that you want so if let's just use an innocuous example let's yes, just please. say Let's just say, and I've had this happen to me last week with one of my clients. They've said, Barry, I've always been broke. I've always had no money. I want money. I don't want to feel broke. I I don't want the feeling of having no security. I don't want that. I don't want um, going out with friends and thinking, should I buy that? Can I afford that? I don't want to go out and have dinner and look at the menu and then look at the prices and go, can I afford this dish? I don't want that. I don't want the feeling. And they went on for about half an hour about what they don't want. And the very important thing to figure out here, and just to just to be the observer and just think about what's going on, is that the more and more and more that we talk about what we don't want, the less time we're talking about what we actually do want. 
That's, I think, inherent to our species biologically. It's like we always talk about things that we do not want to happen. I don't want illness. I don't want to be broke. I don't want divorce. I don't want this. And the universe doesn't hear no. It doesn't hear I don't. It doesn't hear I don't want that to happen. It doesn't hear that. It just takes the essence of what you're explaining and gives more of that back to you. So, for a person that says, I don't want to be broke – Whereas the actual expression is on broke. I don't want cancer. I don't want, my friends got cancer. I don't want cancer. The actual expression is on cancer. It is not on I don't want. So we have to get really, really specific about what we do want. So, so how do you reword broke and how do you reword, for example, illness, right? So you get to a stage where you go, right, I want, abundance in all forms. I want abundance financially. I want abundance with health and I want abundance with love. And I reckon that those moments when they happen for me, they're going to feel really good. Let's lose ourselves in how that's going to feel like. Oh, if I have abundance in finances, that means I'll be driving that. And that means I'll be living there. And that means I'll be able to help that charity. And that means I'll be able to buy that, which means I'll be able to help that person out. Wow, that sounds that's fantastic. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about how I'm going to actually feel when I get financial abundance flowing in my life. And it's the same with 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 sickness. You know, you don't necessarily emphasize on the illness, but you emphasize on the health. So you start to go, so when I'm healthy again, this is going to feel really cool. That means I'll be able to climb that mountain, which means I'll be able to eat that food, which may be able to, I'll be able to be there for my mom and I'll mm-hmm. be able to be there. And you start going down a very different path. I love, and that, it's really, I love yeah. that example that you're sharing. And I, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I think please, that please, please, go for it. what's yeah. hip up in my head is, mm, Chris, if mm. I think about our most frequent conversations, mm. the thing that you have mentioned to me that you feel that you are more most scarce in your life in is time. Mm. And feeling like there's, I mean, you've said it multiple times, and this isn't a negative. I'm just trying to figure out how we can work together on this is mm. you talk mm. about There's never enough time. There's not enough time or I'm always fighting against the clock. And one of the things that I've said to you is like, what if you just took a breath and you realize like you have time? It's just about how we spend it and trying to stay really positive about it. But it seems like it's always something that you feel like Mm. you're fighting up against. So it's because I always try to do more and more. I'm always Mm. trying to do more Mm. and present Mm. more. But you always feel like you don't have enough. So I guess from what I'm asking, Barry, is from your Mm. perspective, Mm. together how could we work to make it feel that time isn't even though we know that there's a Mm. finite amount of time and Mm. it seems like we're fighting against the clock how can we flip Mm. it so that we can maintain (laughs) more positivity and stretch our Mm. i don't know if it's our effectiveness or stretch our Mm. productivity Mm. Well, it's it's a really good question and I'm really happy you've brought it up because the time scenario is actually a current conversation with my wife and myself. Lana, my wife, sounds a lot like Chris. Okay. Lana, Lana piles on so much. She's a lawyer by trade. Um, she's a very, very good contract lawyer who works for one of Australia's biggest health companies in that sense. And Lana is very um, methodical about how much she can fit in. And if she has fit in something, she goes to the next level. Oh, okay. And and all of a sudden, we've got too much 
burden on our shoulders and we end up being not just time poor, but we end up being very stressed with one another Mm -hmm. because we feel that we're having the same argument over and over again. And we had this conversation last night, so it's really, really fitting that we're talking about it today. So, my conversation with Lana last night went along the lines of, um, is there enough time for us to do what we want to do? And then the answer to that is, well, yes, we think that there is. And, And then we go down that road of asking ourselves, do we think we take on too much in the name of progress? Do we do we do we take on too much? And Lana looked at me and she says, "Well, sometimes I do, but but all these things need to get done, Barry. All these mm-hmm. things need to happen. Yeah, deadlines, Barry. Deadlines, oh my gosh. deadlines. It's right. like we're married to the same person, opposite right. gender. It's, <laughs> it's 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 surreal. And I got to a stage where and letting you into my little personal circle here, <laughs> I got to a stage and I said to Lana, if we keep running at this heat level, at this, you know, an engine can only run so long if it's at full full speed. Right. You know, the, 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 the easier you go on your car engine, the longer it'll last, right. right? So, you think to yourself, this is a long, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. So, we, we have to consider that if we want longevity in health, longevity in finances, and longevity in relationship, we have to just go down a gear and realize that there is enough time, but if we're trying to fill every microsecond with something that's productive and progressive, we're going to miss life. And life's going to feel like one big chore. It's going to feel like one big routine. And then that's when people tend to say, life's gone really quick. Oh, the last 10 years have flown, Barry. They've just gone so fast. It's because you filled every minute in the name of productivity. And I get it. Like, we're married 17 years this year. I I know how Lana thinks. I get it. There are things that need to be done. But if we don't take some time to just do nothing and just be with each other's conversation, I'll tell you what tends to happen with us. We lose the connection between us. We lose the, um, the love that drew us closer. We lose that because we're doing so much. And I know you can argue and say, well, we're doing it because we do love each other and we're doing it because we want our lives to kind of continue on and to continue upwards and forwards. And and that's all great. That's all true. But but I don't think life was meant to be lived at this sort of speed. That's a and, really good point because sometimes mm, we forget, like we miscommunicate with what progress really mm, is. Like we, mm, Chris and mm. I talk about um, we used to say at the end of our podcast, keep moving mm. forward, but this mm, mm. this forward movement can sometimes mm. become so anxiety producing because it's like we have to do more and better. And mm. so one of the things that I was wondering about as you were talking mm. is mm. if we're telling our brain to like help us slow down and be more in the moment and that what we're doing is enough progress what if our mm. brain doesn't buy it and it goes back into this like hamster wheel of <laughs> we call it like the American piece of life, the more yeah. is better or, you know, yeah, bigger yeah. and better always where yeah. I've, I've battled that sometimes when I'm trying to like, focus on manifesting positivity and yeah. staying positive yeah. is my brain's like imposter yeah. syndrome or yeah. you don't deserve that good thing. So yeah. how do you handle yeah. it if your subconscious just doesn't get doesn't on board with it. you? Yeah, and this happens to me all the time. I'm so happy you've raised it, Christine. It it happens, you know, when um, 
let's just have a quick scenario. Let's just say you're catching up with friends for dinner. And let's say that you're in a situation where your friends are rallying around you because you've just gone through a very hard situation, whatever that is. You've lost your job or you've gone through a separation or whatever. And let's say everyone rallies around you and they all say to you, you know, you can get back on your feet. You know, we're here for you. We're supporting you. Yes, anything you need, finances, emotional health, whatever. We're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. Yes, yes, that business you've always wanted to try, this is the time to try it, you know, start that podcast show, do this and do that or whatever it is. And and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you're feeling the energy and you're like, yeah, 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 this feels great. This feels great. And then you leave that dinner scenario and you're driving home in the car and you get home, you put your key in the door of your place, you brush your teeth, you go to bed, you look at the ceiling and a part of your subconscious mind doesn't believe that you can do it. You know, you were like, you were excited at dinner, the juices were flowing, the energy was really high, everyone was excited for you, your support network is there, it felt great, but then something inside you just doesn't buy it. It doesn't buy that you can do this thing that everyone believes you can do. The subconscious mind will buy that belief. It won't buy the belief at dinner. It'll buy the belief of you can't do it because that's how you truly feel. Now, when you're in front of other people, you have a mask on, we're at dinner, we're entertaining, you're, you're, you're drinking, there's this bravado, there's this, there's this kind of like, yeah, I'll be okay, you know, I'll get over this hardship and whatever. But deep inside, we're, we're really questioning whether we will. So, that's the, that's the true conversation. That's the real conversation. And you can't really fool the universe. You can't say, well, I think I'll, if I think this way, then I'll get it. It's not that. You will always receive 100% of the time your deepest beliefs about anything. Yeah. Barry, what is it, how does social media play into all of that? When you see all of these people wishing these great grand things on social media or – Yeah, they don't understand. Flashy, you know, yeah. They don't understand um, material possessions ends up being a part of how we view our success and how we view our self-worth in life. But it is not it is not the core founding principle of your self-worth. It is not the, you know, having, uh, I don't know, a million dollars in the bank that you can access or whatever it is, or you can access, you're driving this or you live there. And and then you look at people that have that. Like Jim Carrey is a great example. Like he gets to a stage in his life where he's like, I have enough. Right. I have in. I want to go in the wilderness and draw on a canvas and I feel at tune with God. I feel in tune with nature. I feel in tune with my spirituality. I feel in tune with who I actually was born to be. I'm done with all that acting stuff. And he got to a level where he's actually uh, being honest about it and he's appreciating who he is. And I think that's 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 the key. You've got to get to a place in your life where social media, or you recognize that it actually numbs you to your creative potential inside. It numbs you to, um, well, let's take your attention off your life, Barry, and let's put it on what Instagram's doing and the thousand people you've got on Instagram. Or let's look at what Facebook's doing. Or let's look at what LinkedIn is doing. Or let's look at what TikTok is doing. And and what all those things do, and I truly believe this, is it, it takes you away from the core reasoning and working on your own life on what you want, what you're true to, who you believe you are inside of yourself when no one else is in the room. Like that true belief of who you think you are and and working on that person, 
not necessarily <clears throat> taking your attention away to what this person is doing or what that person is doing. And we all kind of hear the stories, guys. Like, it's half of it's not even real. Like, like the scenarios of people always being on holiday and having expensive cars right. and having a lot of the times behind that is not glamorous. It's 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 a hard work to make that image look so polished. And it is, high not, it is not high credit card. Hey, credit card debts. <laughs> Yes, yes, they're living on credit. Absolutely, you don't see that. That's not mentioned in the Instagram post. It's not mentioned that there's a seventeen thousand dollar credit card post, a uh, credit card debt. So, so for me, um, and the work that I'm doing in Australia, it really hones down on who are you really inside, and what are your true beliefs. And and my work's gone from working with individuals to working with corporations. So this is going to sound really, really wild, but my latest client is the Australian Maritime Museum. And that they are a corporation. My clients before that were law firms, oh, like wow. literally law firms who want to understand what manifesting actually means and the mental health be- be- behind all of our decisions. So, it ends up being there's this deeper level. And the best way to describe this deeper level is let's say you're on the beach and you're looking at the water of the beach, you understand that there's a there's an undercurrent, there's a subcurrent that is influencing the water on top. Do we buy that? We do buy that, right? Yeah. Right. So there's an right. So the undercurrent are your beliefs. You can't necessarily see people's beliefs once you're looking at the surface. You only know once you dive in the water, you dive into the person and you realize that they've got other things happening that you might not be aware of. And those other things are influencing the surface that most people see. So, for me, I get enthralled. I get passionate about what's going on in the undercurrent in underneath that ocean because that influences what's going on on top. So, so what we're seeing now, I believe, is we're seeing a world apart from the war in Europe or apart from COVID-19 or apart from all the negativeness that we see, I see a world that is that is much more in tune with the undercurrent than with the surface. And if we live our lives in that way, you know, and social media, by the way, is the surface. People have become so used to looking at the surface, it becomes habitual. It becomes something that we do by habit. And if we if we have these habits that we're always doing and we don't remember doing anything else, then we'll stay with our habits. And we don't really feel like changing our habits because it's hard work. It's 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 something that we have to work on to change a habit. So for me, looking sitting back and going, okay, what are my habits? What are the unhealthy habits? What are the healthy habits? What do I want to do with my life? How do I feel most alive? And aligning all that tapestry up with my next right move. What does that next move look like in that direction? That's what it means to hopping on a podcast with Chris and Christine. What it mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, how does that look like? And then I make that move rather than letting social media or friends or family dictate what that means for them, for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, yeah. where I get confused, though, is mm. when I'm looking at social media and through this concept of manifestation mm. or manifesting, mm. I get confused between – I'm trying to articulate this correctly. So, in the United States, we refer to this like the Pollyanna mentality, like the person that's always – I think you always refer well, to Well, I refer to it, but I mean saying like it's a – because Pollyanna mm. is a, you know – U.S. movie. I've never it's seen like it, by the way. But the yeah. <laughs> always being positive, almost to the point of being naive, and mm, mm, where mm. that is different from manifesting. Because you know, being walking around all day and being positive and almost like 
as if no, nothing bad in the world impossible. can happen. Yeah, it's yeah, like. No. Oh, I stubbed my toe. That felt good. <laughs> yeah, hooray for hooray, me. I broke five uh, bones. Yes. Let's yeah. go to the hospital. Major surgery. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. such rubbish, isn't it? But how is that different from manifesting? Yeah. Because it I'll seems t- like it's like if you right. go too yeah. far, yeah. And, you know, it's just like when people can become addicted to drugs or other things i've heard of this yeah. like, toxic positivity where yeah. you really can't acknowledge that there's really bad things and it gets to the point of kind of discounting the struggles that other people are going through yeah, yeah and i've nah. seen it on like um televangelists on tv where it's like mm. um if you're going through a hard time it's because you know you haven't been trusting god and Call in mm. right now and pledge ten thousand dollars to show Ooh, that you're ten thousand dollars to show that you're I'll putting get right your, on that. yeah putting your mm. trust elsewhere. And so I think mm. that like, can you talk through that whole absolutely dynamic? Because so, I think it's really weird. It is weird. And can I just say, I think there is a um, a sensationalist idea of manifesting that makes a lot of money for a lot of people. And I don't believe that that's the core founding principle of what like attract like actually means. So, to give you a quick example of how it works um, and how I believe the holistic version of manifesting works, um, I got mentioned in the Oprah magazine, I believe it was three years ago, and it was this specific story that got picked up, which I'll tell you about now. So, essentially, this is how manifesting – this was my first experience with understanding manifesting. And from that, everything in my life has taken the this, uh, this, same road. So, so I got uh, – we, we, we have a Jeep, a car, uh, which we took for a service um, around the corner from us. So, we love our car. We keep it under warranty. We service it. So, we took it to the Jeep dealership uh, down the road from us. Um, and the guy behind the counter said to me, Barry, this is a major service. It's going to cost you eight hundred dollars. Oh. Uh, we do, th- yeah, really big service. We do this, we do that. We change the tires, we change your air filter, the fuel filter, blah blah blah. blah. It sounded like the car was going to go through a surgical operation. It was like it was going to hospital. That's the way he described it, <laughs> justifying the eight hundred dollars, no doubt. So anyway, I said, you know what? You know, we take our car for service. We want it to be under warranty. Here it is. Uh, uh, call me when the car's finished. Mm-hmm. So I hop on the courtesy bus, which goes into town. And as I go into town with my phone and my keys, I pass this homeless man who's sitting on the floor. Now, this guy has been there for years. I've seen him there. He sits in the same spot. And this time he had a dog. <clears throat> and the dog had no teeth. So, you can just imagine what the dog's been eating, right, right. From the, with this homeless man. And I had $35 cash in my pocket. I had a 20, a 10, and a 5. And I said, you know what? Whatever I pull out. I'm going to give this guy. So, what do you think I pulled out? I the pulled 20. out the five? Of course, the $20 the 20. note. So, I go down on my knees and I said, listen, this is for you. Um, I don't really care what you do with it. I want to give. I want to be in a position where I want to help you. And I don't know what, you know, $20 for me is not a lot of money. For him, it was probably a very hot meal and something um, that would make his day. So, as he smiled at me, he gave me this beautiful beaming smile. Again, he had missing teeth as well. So, you could just Mm -hmm. imagine like the scenario that he's living. And I get up to walk away. And the best way to describe what happened next was a gust of wind felt like it was concentrated on my in my pocket. And the five and the ten flew out of my pocket, circled above our heads, and landed at his feet. 
Oh, wow. And I thought, that's awkward. That was my <laughs> lunch money. <laughs> so, so then I thought, Barry, $35, what, are the, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for him? So I gave him the $35. Look and at I just you. Said, what a guy. <laughs> I know. I just thought, it's, it's just your time to give, you know? Like, it's your time. So anyway, I got up and walked away. The smile on his face was like Christmas. And I look up at the trees above me. The maple leaves were starting to fall. Um, it was about 12 to 13 degrees Celsius. So, it was quite a crisp, beautiful day. I had my coat on. I felt blessed. I felt loved. I felt understood. I felt I felt a connection to source, to God that I had never felt before. I had never even felt this connection in a church. I just felt that I got in tune with the nature of God, which is giving. God, and I've, I, I really feel that to this day. You know, if you want to know about God, you can know about God. But if you want to know about the nature of God, I'm interested in his nature. And his nature is to give. And his hands are open, right? And that's right. how I felt. I felt like I was in his. And it was only $35. I mean, it wasn't, a, wasn't thousands of dollars. It was $35. So then, Barry, so, if Chris was going to finish this story, what he would say is, and then you got a call <laughs> from the car dealership and they told you that it was going to cost $2,400 instead of $800. <laughs> so, well, like, that's the way Chris, that Chris, Chris was thinking. It. Well, I'll tell you how it, how it finished, Chris. And, and, and this, is a, this is an example of how reality will match your thoughts. And if you have sarcastic thoughts about anything, it will match it with it, – it, it doesn't understand sarcasm. So, if you don't feel really genuinely that something can happen for you, uh, life will give you that example. Like, it won't happen for you. Right? If you've got the next person that says, well, I believe I can have this, then all of a sudden scenarios, situations, people match that belief and then you end up receiving that. So, back to the quick story. I go in the shopping center. I buy myself a coffee with a few coins I had in my pocket. Uh, I get a call from the dealership saying my car was ready. Hopped on the bus Spoke to the bus driver. His name was Gus. And we had a great conversation about how like attracts like. He then tells me a scenario of what happens to his wife in a similar scenario with a homeless man. I'm like, that's weird. So, we go back to the dealership. Go to the same counter, Chris. The same guy behind the counter slides my keys over the counter with a piece of paper detailing the service of $800. I open up the paper. I go through the list of what he had done. He gives me an invoice for the bill, and the bill was for $398. So, they got you mixed up with somebody else. (laughs) Well, that was my conversation. (laughs) So, I said, no, 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 no. I said, you've got a mistake happening here. You must have me confused with somebody else. Chris, I did exactly that. So, he's like, oh, okay, I'll go and check. So, he brings up the paper. He brings up my car. He said, Barry, this is really, really strange. I remember quoting you $800. The computer is charging you $398. That's all I'm going to charge you today. And that's when the penny dropped for me. I I got out of my left brain and I got into my right brain and I started to think of maybe there's more going on here than I completely can see and understand. And when you're in that mindset, when you're in the mindset of maybe I don't know everything, Maybe there's something that I'm still yet – maybe humanity is at a stage where it's just about to grasp something and I'm living in yesterday. I'm living in the way that I've always thought things. So, for me, it ended up being a conversation of am I open to this? And if I'm open to it, then the next move in that arena 
happens and then I've got a bit more understanding. But if I'm close to it or if I'm sarcastically – and I was this way. I was like, oh, that's crap. That's not true. That's just woo-woo science. It's not. It's fluff. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. And then you start researching Einstein and you start researching Einstein's teacher, Max Planck, and you start seeing what they used to say about energy and understanding thought. And then you start going, holy crap, there's actually science to support this. Where have I been? And you start going down that road and all of a sudden, just like learning a trade, you know, you, you don't learn a trade by learning the most complicated task. You, you learn a trade by learning the most basic task and then climbing the ladder to the most complicated task. It's the same thing with this. So, you you start to get little little understandings of how something works and then you start to think, holy crap, well, if that's true, then I wonder what happens if I do that. And I wonder what happens if I go there. And I wonder what happens if I think about this. And all of a sudden, your your knowingness, your skill set opens to something more complicated. And this is where I was at the graveyard. I got open to something. And I, I just said to myself, okay, I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm just going to see where this goes. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be open to it. That's all I am. I'm not a believer. I'm just open. And all of a sudden, when you're open, then divine source or manifestation has a way of communicating with you. But if you're closed-minded to it, either two things are happening. Either you're ignorant to it or you're arrogant to it. And I found myself being a bit of both. I felt myself going, yeah, it's all crap. All my friends don't believe in it. My family thinks it's nothing and I'm not going to believe in it. Or are you the person to say, I'm not saying I believe in it but I am going to want to know more about it just for my own information, Mm -hmm. just for my own knowledge so I'm not totally arrogant or ignorant to it. And all of a sudden, when you start going down that path, little nuggets of wisdom begin to show and you go, wow, I never thought I'd be in a position where I'd have to really think about that because I was so far down the other path that – I wouldn't even have paid attention to this before if you asked me. So, all of a sudden, then things start opening up. And for me, that's exactly how it happened. Like that that story of the car being serviced got me mentioned in the Oprah magazine because they were after stories on true manifestation. Mm-hmm. And that is the key, guys. That is the crux of what we're speaking about. It is when you're in value to people, when you're of value to people, if you can consistently be of service and consistently be of value and help people as much as you can get through their obstacles or try and offer them recommendations or try to just be there for people if they need you or reach out to people that you haven't spoken to in a few years, like be there for humanity as much as possible. That's when the universe responds and it says the same thing to you. It says, how may I serve you? What do you want to happen? What are your fondest? Do you want more time? Here's a way to get more time. I'll let you hire a person. I'll increase your income, which means that you can hire a person, which means that you guys have got more time together. That, that is that a way for you to have you know what and and that's the road you go down that's that's the exciting stuff you go down because I am sick and tired of being I'm sick and tired of feeling negative i'm I'm sick and tired of always having the one conversation about how life sucks and how life is hurtful or that life is negative or people are killing each other and I'm sick of that because there is so much more love to to speak about but it's the moment that we stay quiet and we stop speaking about that that the darkness or the negative has more power no Chris, so for you me just started laughing when he was saying my life sucks what was it that came up for you is because it because you say i always say that all the <laughs> time you say okay 
Now, are you going to get upset if I share this? Maybe I don't care. Come okay. on now, you know. No, no, so, don't share it. I don't want to get Chris upset. Oh, that's, no, that's he's a- not upset. I'm, that's why I ask permission first. But when he gets really <laughs> upset, what is yeah. your number one phrase that you say? Oh, What do you say? So, Blank so, my life. What do you say? F my life? F my life. F <laughs> yeah. my life. And I'm yeah. like, honey, yeah, I, don't send yeah. that into the universe. And I was nah. like, you have great things in your life. You have that is a true. family that loves you. You have a beautiful, we just bought our dream home in October and it's like oh congrats thank you and we've had a lot of positive things our podcast is flourishing Chris's second podcast is flourishing my business is flourishing we've been given a lot of opportunities and when we go back into that you know I hate Mm. my life mentality Mm. I feel like it's just like basically saying to you know the world to the universe Mm. like Mm. I Mm. Do not appreciate wa- all that's been given to me so far. How can I be trusted with more? <laughs> You're spot on. And, and Christine, sorry if I can interject. Sorry yes. to cut you off. Um, um, I get into those moments as well. I am not sitting here preaching from the top of a mountain saying I'm a guru or anything. I'm not because I get into moments of life sucks. But what, I, what I've conditioned myself to do after I've had my little tantrum inside myself is I go to three default gratitude kind of thoughts. And it's really interesting because I've done a lot of research on fear and gratitude. And you know, you can't feel fear and gratitude simultaneously. Try it. Like Say after that we finish, I think we you need can, to hear that one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you cannot feel the emotions of fear and gratitude at the same time. So it's like Try happy, it. happy and scared at the same time you can't happen? No, well, no, no. As in, feel full on in fear. Like if you're in a situation where, let's just use your example. Let's just say, I have no time. I have no time. I have no time. I've got, I've got so much to do, Christine. You don't get it. Like if things yeah, need to be done it, properly, I got so much stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, I've got so much stuff. Right, right. Um, that is actually, if you think about where you're coming from, you're actually coming from fear of not having enough time. How can you be in a situation where you're grateful for the beautiful home you purchased in October? When you're in that, I don't have enough time. If you look at the undercurrent, again, getting back to the water, the undercurrent, the surface might say no time. The undercurrent is fear, the fear of no time. So, you think to yourself, I don't want that feeling anymore. Life is abundant. Of We've got time. We have got time. When people on their deathbeds, they have no time. Right. Right. Like, yeah. we've got time. So, so, it's just about reorienting our time. So, for me, when I get into a, my life sucks, I go, holy crap, like, I've got a roof over my head. We live in a beautiful part of Sydney, very beautiful part of Sydney. And I look at people and I go, uh, are there people in the world that don't have a roof above their heads? Absolutely. Look at, look at the four and a half million refugees that have left Ukraine right now. They don't have a roof above their heads, right? Oh, have I got some money in the bank? Yeah, I've got a little bit of money in the bank, enough to keep my family and to invest a bit and do this and that. Yeah, I'm, do, are there people in the world that don't have enough money in the bank? Yeah, there are. So, okay, I'm grateful for that. What about health? What about other people? Do I know people that aren't well? And I would say, yeah, I actually do know right now someone that's going through breast cancer, right? So, I think, you know, my wife is healthy. Like, oh, my God, thank you so much for Lana being healthy. Uh, there are people at our age that do have uh, illness in their body as part of getting older. And we, we're not in that camp. So, God, thank you so much. So I'm in that sense of gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. When I start really getting deep into those feelings of thank you for the money, thank you for the opportunities, thank you for the house, and thank you for the health, I start. I then go, well, those things that I was worried about, no time, 
that's actually nonsense. I, c- I actually have the time if I want to make it. It's just that I probably put too much on my plate. So, what are the what are the C priorities? My A priorities, my B priorities, I have to do those things. But what are the C priorities? The C priorities are A, B, and C, and D. Okay, I could probably leave those to next week. And the, as long as the A priorities get done and the B priorities get done, then the C priorities can wait. And that's how I've lived my life. Lana, my wife, is just grasping that notion now. She would like A, B, C, D, E, F, G to be done today. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy crap. Like, we're not, we're not, we're not meant to operate at that level. And if we do, I'm letting you know, stress will cause illness in the body. So we've got to just be really careful here because there's no point getting to our ideal life or where we're comfortable for then stress to raise its head and us and then let it manifest in the body as some sort of horrible illness that we'll have to get through. So, for me, bringing myself back to gratitude and joy for what I've already got, that is heaps compared to other people in the world, I I almost dissolve a lot of the fear that goes around having not enough time. So, so that's how I operate with it. I often, often go to gratitude as a as like a flip mechanism for me, I go, okay, Baz, this is what you do now, you know, let's think about the things that you're truly, truly grateful for. So, the way I do that is I have a gratitude journal and I write every night about the things that went went really well that day and about the things of the challenges that I had that day as well. Like, I'm grateful for the challenges in one respect because they're helping me grow. Right. Like, how else do I learn if I don't go through these obstacles that I hate or these obstacles that cause me pain? Uh, there's no other way to live life as opposed to living and learning and growing by going through the hard times. Right. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's that's where we're going through right now. It's that people are ignoring and they're circumvening the hard times because they want to get to the good stuff. Right. But what they don't realize is that the, the, the current challenge you've got on your plate right now, Chris, Christine, myself, whoever is listening, the current challenge that we've got on our plates that we, we're really struggling with is, is a tailored learning lesson for us individually. Now, whether we fight that lesson and we say, I hate the lesson, I don't want the lesson, you don't understand, my situation is unique, I've got this going on and that going on, yes, you can think you know, but you don't, If whether you fight it from that respect or whether you go, okay, this has been presented to me, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, life sucks, I've got good stuff going on. Is there a secret undercurrent lesson that's trying to be applied that I'm fighting or resisting? And I guarantee you guys, there is always a tailored lesson for us all to learn. It's just, it's just, do we let our ego get in the way and say, no, 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 that's wrong. Bugger it. I'm in the right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept that. Or do we go with humility and go, okay, I'm getting it. And as soon as you transcend that lesson, I promise you, you're going to be enlightened for it. You're going to say to yourself, well, the next lesson that comes up, you're going to know what to do. You're going to be in a situation where you go, okay, yep, this is like the last time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and understand what the lesson is here for me. I'm not going to announce it to the world. I'm just going to go through my own paces and try and understand it. And when you do that, you you are thinking like God thinks. You are thinking like like divine things. You are thinking you are getting to the level where you're going. Okay, I'm accepting of my current situation. 
what what is it here to teach me? And and I know all of us talk a big game about lessons and teaching, but hardly any of us actually do the math and do the work. So for me, it's understanding that uh, if the next move uh, makes itself known to me, that I take that next move with humility and love, even if it's painful or even if it's joyful, I take that next move. And the way that the universe works, guys, and I honestly, this is a truism. Everything brings you back to a deeper understanding of love. Everything. Everything, 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 everything. See, we all get to the same mountain peak. If we're all climbing a mountain together, we all arrive at the same peak. Some of us take the scenic route. Like we just circle the bottom of the mountain a few times just to make sure that it is a mountain. And then some of us are taking a more direct route to the peak. But we all arrive at the same peak. The peak is an unconditional understanding of what love actually means, which goes back to the nature of God. His his nature, his way, his understanding of how human beings need to understand these deeper lessons with humility and love and then teach it to each other so we can all grow in a deeper understanding of love and manifesting and whatever it it is you want to accomplish. And speaking of teaching, you have Mm. done so much to enlighten and educate us, but I would love Mm -hmm. if you could share with our listeners where they can find out more about your book. And then I believe you have some classes that you teach that our (laughs) listeners can subscribe to. Uh, absolutely. And and can I just first say, I apologize if I've rambled. <laughs> I no, get truly you're passionate good. about you're it. You're all good. Um, but please, if you'd like to, uh, corporate customers uh, can go to my website. It's just barrynicolau.com, B-A-R-R-Y-N-I-C-O-L-A-O-U.com. On that website as well is uh, my book, uh, which is called The 11 Master Secrets to Business Success and Personal Fulfillment. And that has become an e-course. So, the course that we teach in that book uh, ends up being a 60-page blueprint on you, uh, your likes, your dislikes, your toxic people, your joyful people, people that are in your life. So, it ends up you end up having a manifesting journal on who you are as a person and the desires that you want for your life. So, the e-course is doing really, really well. Fantastic. so, yeah, that's it. And then it's, there's a second book in the works. Um, that should be out at Christmas. And it's exciting to be speaking about getting into a, a, a beautiful state of love and understanding. Because honestly, guys, the world needs us to be speaking about it more and more. Definitely. So, yeah. Any last words of wisdom for our <laughs> listeners as we wrap it up here today, Barry? Uh, absolutely. Just, just identify the next right move. Don't try and look at the big ball of manifesting and the big ball of uh, what the world's going through. Just identify what you want and just say to yourself, if that is what I want, what would the next right move look like in that direction? Would it be to talk to Chris? Would it be to hop on a podcast? Would it be to call your accountant? Would it be to read a book? Would it, what would that move look like? And then once you identify that move, do it. Make oh, that move. Nice. Absolutely. Well, well I, said, Barry. Well, I think we just Thank settled you. on the title of your next book, The Next Right Move, <laughs> sponsored by it. Chris and Christine. Well, Barry, thank you so it. much for joining us today, thank especially you. on an early morning for you. Thank we appreciate you. your time, your talents, and your expertise. We know that it's definitely added value to the lives of our listeners, and we thank look you. forward to hearing 
of more great things that you're doing <laughs> in <laughs> Australia so and across the world. And thank you so much. Thanks, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. You know, Barry was so fantastic for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate calling all the way over to Australia. I know. It was so much fun. And I just loved talking about ahead of time before the interview even started what everybody got to hear Talking about my favorite things about Australia with him. You're talking about your Paul Volva? Paul Palvo, pa- <laughs> Pavlova. Pa- that's the one, yes. But the one thing I did not ask him about was if he likes Vegemite. Now, Vegemite is this spread that many Australians use on like bread. I had it one time. I put way too much on a piece of bread and it was very salty. I've heard it's an acquired taste. But Barry, once you listen to this, we need to find out. Are you a Vegemite lover or a Vegemite not lover? <laughs> what does it look like and what do you, how do you use it? Kind it kind of looks like a really like Nutella with like salt or uh, sand mixed into it. It has like a, sand mixed into well, it. Well, yeah, it has like a gritty texture to it. Oh, and so how would you serve it? Like I just said, like on toast, you put like a very thin layer. I've heard that some people put it on their sandwiches almost like in lieu of a mayonnaise or with a mayonnaise, but they would like put it on their bread first. And so it's definitely a very unique to Australia thing. And so you either love it or you hate it I or you acquire the taste for it. It's not something that I would like to have more than the one bite that I had, but I think I sampled it incorrectly. So, Oh, right. Yes. So, Barry, want, are you a Vegemiter? Yeah, Vegemiter. Or Vegemite. It sounds like something you could sprinkle in your garden, like making things grow better. Uh, No. But you know it does. Hey, it does come like in it, a little container, kind of like the Nutella. Too. If your if your tomatoes aren't growing very well, just sprinkle some Vegemite on it. No, it'd be good. There was this other thing in Australia that I tried that I really liked, and it was called Milo. And it's a drink. It comes in like a green can. It's almost like a, it's like a powdered, kind of like a chocolate milky kind of drink. But yeah, it's definitely there's some very unique things to Australia. And I love the culture so much. I love the people. I love the country. I love everything about it. And so it was just very nice to have Barry on the show. You know, Australia, I was kind of wondering about that. You know, Australia actually, if you look at it on the globe, is pretty close to Antarctica. What? It is. It's like really close. It's like, it's like, I wonder if there's cruises that go from Australia to Antarctica for like day trips and stuff. Day trips? No. Heck no. It's not that close. When well, you look at it on I the saw, globe. I saw it on the globe. It's at the bottom there. Yeah, so if you say like, oh, well, it's only five inches apart on the globe, that's probably like <laughs> thousands of miles, Chris. And like no, I said a day trip. A day know? trip? No, <laughs> thousands of miles. I mean, you're such a goofball. No, but what is close to Australia are um, is Tasmania and New Zealand. New Zealand's even lower than Australia. So New Zealand is what I'm thinking of. New Zealand, they would have like a cruise ship that went from there to Antarctica for like a day trip. Because uh, they're so close. Yeah. <laughs> no, you are. You're, you're such a flat earther. What a, tr- what a trip! No flat earthers would be like they fall right off. Antarctica <laughs> no. is like the edge of the world wall there. So uh, what are you doing? I'm looking it up now. I'm looking to see how far is 
New Zealand from, what were you asking? Antarctica. Distance. Okay, you keep talking and I'm going to find this. So, you know, I was in Vegas maybe like 10 years ago, BK before Christine, and I was at this club and there was a big group of like a tour group bus of these people from Australia. Um, there's girls, maybe some guys too, mostly girls I was running into, you know, me in the clubs. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they were all from New Zealand and from Australia and they're doing this whole tour across, uh, America, do this whole tour and they happen to be in Vegas during that weekend or week or whatever it was. And it was so funny because they, they were all talking with their accents, of course, and everything from, uh, Australia and stuff. And I was asking them a good time and they are, you know, it was fun. They were gambling. I met one girl, we were playing roulette on the roulette table. You know me, I like playing some roulette. And so we were playing roulette together. She's telling me about her flight leaves in the morning. And I'm like, gosh, kind of how long is that flight? You know, it was like 20 something hours. So what'd you look up, babe? Okay. So you are right that New Zealand. Wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. What? (laughs) (laughs) You are right that New Zealand is the closest country technically to Antarctica. And I guess technically, if you wanted to fly and do a day trip out of it, you could. I don't know if there's that many frequent trips flying between the South Pole and New Zealand, but uh, guess how many hours it would take you to travel there by plane? Just one way? One way. Uh, now, now, is it just to the uh, edge tip of Antarctica or to the north? Distance from Antarctica to New Zealand. To, or to the pole itself? No, just distance. I don't know. 100 miles? <laughs> <laughs> Dear, my darling. Yeah? It is 3,100 miles or f- almost 5,000 kilometers. Just Or just- as Chris would say, it kilometers. <laughs> And it's an eight-hour, nine-minute flight from New Zealand to Antarctica. Now, that's that to the actual South Pole, like, dead center? Or is they talking to the tip? Because the tips are pretty close. Like the, They are not that close. It says 3,100 miles is the closest. Yeah. So, uh, the total straight-line distance between New Zealand and, and Antarctica is 6,360 kilometers and 244 meters so it is a long way away. It is not close, and you can't do. Yeah, you cannot do. Well, well how far is it from our house? Oh gosh, you know what? We're on. We're live radio right here. We're not going to be looking at how far it is from our house, Chris, Mister. I want to take a day trip to Antarctica. You may go. Do you think, I, should, the think, I, think I overdress? I went to Antarctica. Like, what? I think I'd be overdressed for Antarctica. Maybe like, you know, like it's cold down there. Wear a tuxedo and you'll fit right in. <laughs> penguins, huh? <laughs> That's why they call it a penguin suit, right? I heard penguins, um, this is true or not, do penguins actually mate for life? I, I think it depends on the kind. I know that emperor penguins supposedly do, but I do not know specifically about the other breeds of the penguins, but I do know the other creature on the world or on the earth that does mate for life, and that's lobsters. And that are is, lobsters in Australia and uh, lobsters in Antarctica? Um, are they too cold for that? Probably. I don't know because if you think about it, it's really cold off of the coast of Maine, and like Maine lobster is super it's not, famous. It's not Antarctica cold, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know, but I mean. Maine is close to, well, not super close, but it's like kind of direct access to, isn't it like Iceland or Greenland or all of the above? You're thinking of North Pole. That's the other side. 
other side of the, of the world, baby. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm world knowledge. Maine, you're, you're, I said Maine. Yeah, Maine is over there by the North Pole. I'm talking about the South Pole. Here. I know, but I was saying that Maine is close to Iceland and Greenland, and so you would think that the waters are pretty cold going up into that area of the Atlantic. Also, where do they film like the whole Deadliest Catch show? That's always that's off, off of Alaska and the Bering Strait, right, right between Alaska and and Russia. Right, so that's got to be cold. Hey, speaking of which, how far is it from Russia to? Um, uh, Alaska, like how that's gonna be real close. Well, right? yeah, I mean they're reasonably close. I'll look that up in just a minute. But there, historically, it was said that there used to be a land archipelago or like a um, an inlet kind of thing, a peninsula that used to connect the two. Uh, but with the waters rising and all the different like earthquakes and things like that, that, that went away. But if you are on like the furthest tip of Alaska, it's rumored that you can see Russia. So let's take a peek. You keep talking. You know, and I'm I was find- funny. I remember seeing this meme on Instagram or something. This is during the whole Russian war thing happening, which is, I guess, still kind of going on with the Ukraine thing. And someone's saying, like, I don't care about Russia. They're so far away. And then I showed a picture of Alaska and Russia and said how close they are. <laughs> the map It was like they're side by side. Yeah, 55 miles away. That's like the distance from here to like Escondido. (laughs) If even that. Yeah. It's saying that the the tip of like the actual mainland part of Alaska, because there's like little islandy types of things that are in the Bering Sea between Russia and Alaska. And that's a lot closer between Alaska and Russia. But from mainland Alaska to mainland Russia, it's 55 miles. It is very close together. Wow. Yes. Look at that. That's definitely a day trip to Russia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I wonder, do you think that there's a lot of like security in those waters to keep people? I mean, you think of all of the different like Coast Guard people and things like that. Do you think that they go out there and like keep from like Russian submarines coming into U.S. waters? Well, I'm sure they do. And also, you guys are think there's also somebody's a big deal in that close to that area. Who? Santa Claus. North no, Pole. Santa Claus is north of that. Santa right, Claus about, isn't in Russia. Maybe 50 miles. 50 miles. <laughs> to the north is the North Pole. Okay, so I have to tell you something. When I was little, <laughs> I used to think that like the North Pole was like in the sky. And so it was like, I would think that, oh, well, like after Santa Claus is done delivering all of his presents, he goes back into the sky. Because in my mind, he flies, it was like, right? yeah, because he flies, I was thinking like, Oh, Santa Claus goes to almost like another planet, forgetting that it's just like north of here. Right. Right. Like North County, but yeah, but (laughs) a little bit further north. But, you know, we have gone on lots of different tangents. I'm so glad that we can have a little geography lesson here. And we had a fantastic episode. I loved this interview so much. And high five to us, air high five for having our furthest interview guest ever and for it sounding fantastic courtesy of me clean feed <laughs> oh that <laughs> too you and clean feed and so right. thanks so much to mark and mark of clean feed for giving us great technology this is not sponsored at all but we do love the clean feed technology and so if you're a podcaster or interested in getting into podcasting look them up that is correct mundo and if you want to look us up you always can go to the world 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 wide web at uh, <laughs> chris and christine show.com and you can find us on social media definitely go to our website though click on the little link that says leave us a voicemail we love receiving all of those little voicemails and you never know you might just end up on the show and until next time we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>